after an allergic reaction, especially after your first allergic reaction, you probably have a million questions. And that allergist appointment, it can't come soon enough. In this episode, we give you four clear steps to get you prepared for that first allergy appointment. Welcome to Food Allergy and Your Kiddo with Dr. Alice Hoyt, the podcast about demystifying food allergies, diminishing allergy anxiety, and taking back control. Let's navigate this challenge together with evidence-based information, scientific research, and tried and proven practices. And now, here's your host, board-certified allergist and immunologist specializing in food allergy, Dr. Alice Hoyt. Hello and welcome to the Food Allergy and Your Kiddo podcast. I am your host, Dr. Alice Hoyt. Delighted to be joined by my friend and co-host, Mrs. Pam Lestage. Hey, Pam. Hello, Dr. Hoyt. How are you? I am delighted that you use the word delighted. I love that word. Well, I am <laughs> delighted that you are delighted, my friend. Um, and I am delighted that you're here today. I am doing wonderfully. And I'm very excited about our show topic because I feel that this is something that we should have done a long time ago. I agree. And I feel like we've touched on this uh-huh. topic a little bit, um, which probably made us think that we had already done a full episode, but when going back, we hadn't. So here mm-hmm. we are bringing you some information that is going to be very valuable for so many people. Yes. The four steps to preparing for your food allergy appointment. Yes. yes. So important. I know, right? So one of the reasons I wanted to do this episode was because it breaks my heart when patients come in and my practice is set up that we're able to get patients in pretty darn quickly after they have a reaction. Um, but I know across the country, not all allergists are or have that set up. Right. Um, and sometimes it can take months to get in to see an allergist. And then, you know, these poor families, their months go by between going to the emergency room for hive swelling in their their precious little baby or in an adult, right? Mm-hmm. And months go by until they're able to see the allergist and begin getting answers. And that sort of limbo time period, I just... I find excruciating. I agree. But I also think that because a first appointment for anything is kind of overwhelming, but one like this, where something has happened that you really have no idea why it happened or, you know, what caused it or what you need to do from here. And someone may or may not hand you an EpiPen or an epinephrine injector and say, here, just don't eat the food. And, And you really haven't gotten any answers from an expert on it it's such an emotional, um, overwhelming appointment that to be prepared for it really is the only way to go in there. Because oftentimes when you're not prepared for what's about to happen, you forget to ask questions, you leave with more questions and answers because your mind just wasn't right. So we just find it so important from a parent's perspective and from you, Dr. Hoy, to doctor's perspective to try to get the best information for parents out there to try to make sure that they are just as prepared as possible, really. Mm-hmm. 
No, absolutely. And, you know, we're going to focus on this being someone's first food allergy appointment, but there are definitely things within these, these four items that we're going to talk about that really everybody can apply to any follow-up appointment Oh yeah, um, or any new patient appointment for kind of, kind of for any specialty. But, you know, if you've had a reaction and you need to get, you need to see back your allergist, like this, this content is going to be good for you. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Can go across the board. So let's start with step one of the four steps to how to prepare for your first food allergy appointment. And it is have a clear plan for any subsequent reactions. So let's say your sweet little eight month old ate scrambled eggs for the first time and had hives and you took little baby to the emergency room and they treat a little baby. From that point on, until you see your allergist, you need to have a plan. Mm -hmm. And if I know there are going to be some people listening who have been in that situation where they've gone to the emergency room and they've been told, yeah, this is an allergic reaction and they've been treated with antihistamines or they've been treated with epinephrine or both. And then they're told, see an allergist, or they might be told, see your pediatrician. You need to have a plan from the moment you walk out of that emergency room until you see that next healthcare provider, whether it is the pediatrician or the allergist. Um, but definitely have a plan for what to do in case there are there is any subsequent reaction. And you're probably like, okay, well, Dr. Hoyt, like I I have already had the reaction, or my kiddo has already had the reaction. I can't really go back in time right now. I'm waiting for this allergy appointment. Right. So that's when we want to get. We want, if we're not seeing the allergist immediately, as in like the next day or two, then we definitely want to see our pediatrician who can give enough information and provide a prescription for an epinephrine auto injector if that was not prescribed by the emergency room. Um, so that in case there is any sort of subsequent reaction, then you are prepared in, 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 in that case. Absolutely. And I think also, you know, after that first reaction and leaving the emergency room, a lot of what, you know, I want to say most people do is go straight to the internet. Right. And so that's something that I can't say don't do because it's just natural for so many of us to do that. But if you're going to go online, you know, try to go to a credible website, right? Don't go on Facebook. Don't go to all of these, you know, kind of mom groups, because while they're helpful in some ways, sometimes they can be a little misleading or a little scary. And if you still haven't been able to see a professional, a healthcare provider, then going to a website that um, has just the right information for you, maybe some forms you can fill out, a website like ours that will tell you what to look for um, in a reaction so that you are aware of what you're looking for. Right. Right. So in that, in your discharge paperwork, if you went to the emergency room, or if you saw your pediatrician for those hives, there should be some next step in care. And the Mm -hmm. next step in in care Mm -hmm. should ultimately be to see an allergist, but there should also be what to do in the meantime information. And if you feel like that's lacking, then that's the perfect role for your pediatrician or your intern, your primary care physician to fill 
where if you're wondering, wait, how do I use this EpiPen or when do I use this? Um, Or if it's not an IgE mediated, not an anaphylactic food allergy, maybe you're dealing with FPIs, food protein induced enterocolitis syndrome, or some other thing that the allergist is going to figure out, your primary care doctor can still provide you some guidance as to how you can stay safe and reaction-free until you're in with the allergist. And do not be afraid to ask your primary care doctor that specific information and what specific questions you have. And, you know, if it's if it's very detailed questions that your allergist will be able to answer, but maybe your primary care doctor can't answer, then they'll tell you that, but they will have enough information about what happened to you or to your kiddo to keep you safe until your next appointment. And so, yeah, just like Pam said, avoiding some of the, um, the, the testimonial style information, testimonials, like in Facebook groups, hearing about different kiddos reactions, they can be helpful in some instances, but really those are individual clinical cases. So like as an allergist, when I'm looking at what's good evidence-based information, sort of the best information for me is information coming from double-blind, placebo-controlled, randomized trials, right? And then sort of the lowest level of information is case reports. And I put those sort of like testimonials into the, 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 um, the wheelhouse of, of being like a case report, because that's what it is. And so even though it can have important information, it's still very limited in the way of evidence-based information. And so really try to lean into good organizations. Um, a lot of the .edu or .org can have good information about food allergy, the American Academy of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology, um, FAIR, foodallergy.org. And of course, here we have we have so much content at Food Allergy and Your Kiddo. So you're listening to this podcast episode. So, <laughs> so you found us somehow. You found um, us. But yeah, it's it's so important to have some sort of clear plan. And and the plan should never be after that reaction. Well, here's an EpiPen. See uh-huh. you later. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't even necessarily know that allergists are uh exist are Mm -hmm. a a board certified medical specialty. Mm -hmm. Um, To be an allergist, you have to first be an internist or a pediatrician or both. That's what I am. I'm board certified in internal medicine and pediatrics and allergy and immunology. So, but a lot of people don't know that. So, so have your plan in case there is some sort of other reaction and your primary care doctor should be able to help you with that until you get to your allergist. So then going into number two, the second step to prepare for your food allergy appointment, you want to document what happened because let me tell you, you think you're going to remember and you'll remember a lot of it, but you want to take the time to go through what exactly happened. And we have a really great resource. We'll put a link to it. Um, in, in the podcast show notes, it's called seven questions your allergist will probably ask you about food allergy reactions. And, you know, we made this a long time ago, Pam, and this, this is just such a helpful tool. It's just a one page, seven questions that families can go through and literally write out the story mm-hmm. of what happened. Yeah. As, as a parent, 
who has witnessed their child have a food reaction, that moment in the moments afterwards, it's almost like you're, you kind of go in a little bit of a shock, you know? And so you try to remember all the things and for the most part you do, but after a while, it's kind of like, okay, but did this happen? Did this not happen? And you start kind of second guessing yourself. You think, well, I gave her this, but I'd given her that before, maybe, maybe not. And so to have it all written down, as soon as you're able to, to have that clear mind to really sit down and to go back over what happened, what were you doing? What were you eating? Who was there? Someone that could help you with all of it. It's just so important Mm -hmm. as the parent. And also I think it's important to be able to, to let your child know, you know, if they're older or as they grow up, this is what happened when you ate this, this is what we did. Mm -hmm. Um, because that's a great point, Pam. Yeah, because oftentimes these kids are are tiny when they have their first reaction. And if we're very blessed and lucky, they won't have another reaction. And so they just kind of forget, right? Like sometimes we can go into mm-hmm. um complacency mode where we know it's there, but it hasn't happened. And so we're still worried about it, but it's not something that is talked like the reaction isn't really something that is talked about often, right? right? We always, I mean, every day, do you have your epi every day, you know what to do, but it's not, here's what happened when you had a reaction. And so Mm -hmm. to be able to take that information and share with your child, this is what it looked like. In fact, and I hate to, to be the parent that says, pull your phone out and take pictures, but maybe take some pictures, right? Like once things have kind of calmed down, if, if, and, and, you know, things Oh, during uh, the reaction, Necessarily during the yes. <laughs> I'm like, yes. So that's <laughs> I know. Well, you're you're taking care of your child, you're prioritizing correctly. Right. But I can't tell you how helpful it is when a parent is able to show me pictures. Yeah. And we happened. have pictures, not of her very, very first reaction. I mean, my daughter's 13, you know, so I, I don't even think I had an iPhone back then, but um <laughs> she had had just like a contact reaction later in years. And I took pictures of all of it. I, Mm -hmm. I mean, during, during while it was happening, after we had given her the medication, after we had, um, you know, bathed her down and make sure she didn't have any more of the proteins on her. I mean, I just have, and I, for the longest time took those pictures everywhere this is what it looks like when my child is touched by a peanut. If someone can snap a picture, if you're in the hospital, your child is stable, they are still going Mm -hmm. to show some signs, you know? Um, So documenting it is just so helpful in so many ways. And and when we get to step number three, and we talk about that, I think to document it and to have it ready for your allergist to see in case Mm -hmm. emotions get in the way is such a helpful step. Oh, it totally is. And it's, it's great for like me as an allergist, when I am able to look at what somebody has written down when they've been in the comfort of their own home and they Mm -hmm. had time to sit down and think about something as opposed to, I mean, who doesn't feel not rushed in a doctor's office, but we all feel like, okay, we don't want to waste somebody else's time. Right. Right. So sometimes we get a little bit flustered when we're, when we're retelling what happened or we might forget something. So Mm -hmm. spending the time writing it down. And I do want to go through these seven questions. I mean, it's kind of a spoiler alert, but like 
these are the seven questions that your allergist is probably going to ask. These are the seven questions on that form that we want you guys to go to foodallergyandyourkiddo.com, download this form, and it will have it in the show notes. But question number one, what food do you think caused the reaction? Question number two, how was that food prepared? Question number three, what symptoms were involved in the reaction? Question number four, so important, how long after eating the food until the symptoms began? That is so important. It's important because if somebody comes in telling me they've been having hives for a week, then Mm -hmm. I know that those hives are, are not being caused by a food because having hives for a week is not what happens when you have a food allergy. Right. People can have hives for a week. People can have hives for weeks and months and years. Um, but that's not food allergy, but that helps really put, put into perspective what is going on in this particular patient. So how long after eating the food until symptoms began? The next question, how were symptoms treated? And then number six, when did the symptoms resolve? Typically IgE mediated anaphylactic food allergy symptoms resolve within 24 hours, unless somebody's admitted to the intensive care unit. Other types of allergy reactions can last different amounts of time. But again, that's why we want to know how Mm -hmm. long until it all resolved. And the last question, has this happened before or since that reaction? So definitely go download this form. It's really fantastic. And it's going to help you with your next allergist appointment. So that was number two. So number one, have a clear plan for reactions. Number two, document what that reaction was. Number three is to be prepared for the emotions. Hi there. This is Alexis from the Hoyt Institute of Food Allergy. Did you know that the Institute is the official sponsor of the Food Allergy and Your Kiddo podcast? And did you also know that you are now able to connect with Dr. Hoyt directly? That's right. We are now offering Food Allergy Office Hours for Parents. These one-on-one virtual sessions are available for parents all across the country. It's an educational session, not an office visit, where you can ask all of your food allergy questions and finally get answers. It's as comfortable as having a cup of coffee with your bestie. Simply click the link in the show notes to schedule and mention this ad. We are so, so excited to connect with parents across the globe with this new service. Okay, now back to Pam and Dr. Hoyt. Yes, as a parent who has been there, (laughs) having, I mean, let's be real, having your child suffer in any kind of capacity, whether it's food allergy or just, you know, they step their toe. We as parents get emotional, right? Um, I tend to be more of an emotional person. So anytime that I am going into something that's a little harder, I have to do things like step number two and write things down because I know for me, um, my emotions tend to get in the way of, exactly how I'm trying to articulate things. And sometimes to get it in the way of remembering the questions that I want to ask. So I think as parents, first of all, seeing your child suffer through an allergic reaction, is just scary. It's scary. 
talking about it makes it real, right? I think when we write it down pen to paper, it's yes, it's real, but you're not saying it out loud, right? When Mm -hmm. you say it out loud, for me anyway, you really are processing that. And I mean, it took years for me to be able to tell the entire story without crying or without having, you know, some sort of emotion attached to it, even though she was fine, you know, she was fine, but just the idea of it. And so I think going Which is into, totally normal. Yes. And you, but yes, I want no, no. you to feel, and everybody listening to this to feel like their feelings are, are valid. I mean, yes. you watch your child suffer, almost die. Hurt. I mean, just, yes. yeah. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. just, and, and even if it, even if it was a, a relatively mild reaction, right. like so many times it's from a food that you gave her or him, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that it's, it, yeah. so the, the parent or whomever it was, was trying to nourish the child and it actually hurt the child. And then you see the child being hurt. It's, yeah. I don't want to get too much into it, right? No, yeah, but it's people, but it's nothing that you want to see. But it's so important, like you said, to know that it's normal. And and I think you, Doctor Boyd, as an allergist, will say that you see parents in your office who do get emotional, and it's totally normal for you to see that, and you're not bothered by that. And if parents need you know, sort of like that outlet. It's just, you just know that it's going right. to happen. And so I think it's important for parents to know that it's okay for it to happen, but mm-hmm. because we know that emotions can play a, a large role, being prepared for this appointment, I think mm-hmm. is, is really what just sets you up for success. Mm-hmm. Um, if you know that you're an emotional person, having it all written out, you know, with, with this form, the seven steps, or even if there's something that you really want the doctor to know that mm-hmm. you think you can't really vocalize, have that written out as well. Absolutely. Um, your having questions. all of your questions mm-hmm. after afterwards, have that written out as well. Um, I definitely did this for a few of our appointments and he appreciated it so much because mm-hmm. I just couldn't get it out. Not because I was boohooing, but just because the emotions of everything just kind of mm-hmm. get to you. If you have a little one that's there with you, um, if you can have someone come to the appointment with you that kind of holds them or distracts them while you're trying to have that conversation with the doctor, especially mm-hmm. if you know that you get a little emotional, cause you know, you never want your kiddo to see you emotional right. and wonder why is mommy all upset or why is daddy all upset? I know that's not always the case, you know, to be able to, to bring someone else with you to the appointment, but just knowing that it's normal, just going into it, maybe again, staying away from just sort of other people's testimonials. Mm -hmm. I think that that can often get in your head Mm -hmm. and can often make you just think the worst. You know, I think that a lot of people have really good intentions, but sometimes people's good intentions can be a little doomsday and, and, and not because they're trying to scare everybody, but because they're scared. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and you don't need to be scared because they're scared. Like right. you, you have control of that. Um, we've had really good conversations with therapists on the show. You know, you can go back and listen to those episodes or, yeah. or you know, find, find some way to like Zen yourself, right. To, to go into that appointment, knowing that emotions are going to be there, mm-hmm. but it's okay. And the most important thing is to have a clear understanding for the doctor who's going to take care of you about what happened and have a clear understanding 
of your next steps yes. when you leave, because you never want to leave an appointment with more questions than no. what you had, you oh, know, the worst. and it's, and That's it's really, you know, I mean, appointments are just overwhelming in general, just any appointment, yeah. right. Unless it's your well checkup and, you know, you go in there like, yeah, everything's cool. Everything, you know, and you just, you do your thing and you go, but for appointments like this, especially when there's so much information, uh-huh. um, just make sure that you have everything, Everything set up, written, written down ahead of time, mm-hmm. written down. and look, and even our doctor, so many times he would tell me things and I would nod and he would, he would then laugh and say, I'm just going to write this down for you. <laughs> and he'd write it down, Absolutely. you know, on his notepad. Yeah. Because so many times, you know, I know like my husband would always say, okay, so what did the doctor say in, in any situation, not just allergy appointment situations. And I'm like, oh, uh-huh. I don't remember, you know? And so even if you're not an emotional person, just be mentally prepared for all of the things mm-hmm. and, and do, and, and do that in a way that is beneficial for you and your family and not yeah. taking in somebody else's emotions. Yeah. And check out the food allergy counselor that yes. Tamara Hubbard, she has a beautiful list on the food allergy counselor.com. And that's who we've talked to on the show before. Mm-hmm that there are food allergy informed counselors across the country. You can find somebody in your area, but then Tamara also has some really great worksheets that are focused towards food allergy families on managing all the, all the stressors that come along with it. But yeah, Yeah. I, I totally agree that just being prepared that you, you could become emotional. It's, Mm -hmm. it's possible. It's probable in my experience and to have your questions, have your story written down bring somebody if you can. And I just feel like we had to put this on the list because I just feel like sometimes if you get caught off guard that you're becoming emotional, then that, yeah. that makes it even worse. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause you so, can think you can go in there and, and just be like, yeah, I got this. And then you start talking, you're like, wait, stop tears. Stop. Right. <laughs> Wear the waterproof mascara <laughs> that day. And you and I didn't talk about this. I know. Right. You and I didn't talk about this, but it just kind of hit me. If your child is a little older, you know, is aware mm-hmm. of what happened to them you know, maybe having something to prepare them, have them bring mm-hmm. their lovey with them, have plenty of fun activities for them to mm-hmm. do while you're having this conversation with a doctor, right. assure them that, cause I cannot tell you how many times I would take my daughter to the doctor and she would say, does he have to give me a shot? Because she remembered the spin, the, you know, the pricks on the back and she remembered all of that. And, you know, they have that trauma and, mm-hmm. and, and they may not recognize it as trauma, but that's what it is. They have that trauma. Right. And so assuring them of, of the things that and we should do a podcast about that, how to prepare your little one for a food allergy mm-hmm. appointment. Absolutely. Let's write it down because Done. it's emotional for them as well, you know? So it's important to let them know that everything's going to be okay as well, that this is, this is how we're going to make you better. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. kids just want to know that they're going to be better. And this is how we help this never happen again. And don't be afraid, especially for kiddos who are maybe four up till teenagers. Like what, if you want to talk with the doctor without them being there, I, I, Mm -hmm. I don't like I don't typically like this so much in the teens group because I feel like we as their healthcare provider and as you as their parents, we're supposed to be transitioning them from the pediatric care model to the adult care model, meaning like they're taking complete ownership over over whatever medical condition it is. So we don't we don't like to have a lot of sort of 
behind the scenes discussions right. um, once they're older kiddos, but definitely when they're six, seven, eight, and there's, there's things you want to discuss about what happened with this reaction and the severity and the life threateningness and ask, ask some questions and get some really just unfiltered responses and you be able to be unfiltered, mm-hmm. then definitely ask if you can talk with the doctor, either via telephone after the appointment or something like that. Cause we also don't like to to have to, for the kiddo to necessarily know yeah. that we're talking about them without them, because that can promote that distrust. At the same time, we want to be able to have adult conversations ab- about this. So if there's something that you feel like you do not want to talk about in front of your child, but needs to be discussed, then absolutely ask the allergist if, if y'all can talk later or, or something like that. And a lot of times I'll pick up on it and hopefully your allergist will pick up on it too and say, we can talk about this later or, or, mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I, I think being, being prepared for the emotions is just so important. And that's why it's our third step to your four steps of being prepared for your first food allergy appointment or really for any food allergy appointment at this point. So the number four step is to do your homework on the practice. And so what I mean by that is know who you're going to see, like know which doctor you're going to see, or if you're scheduled with a nurse practitioner, know that so that you, you set your expectations where they should be. I know that some practices, they get super swamped. And so maybe you'll see a nurse practitioner first, and then you'll see a physician. Some places you see the physician first, ask wherever you're going about that. Do research on that provider to find out, okay, is this somebody who is a general allergist or is this somebody who wakes up every day to see kids who have food allergies? It's it's not that one seeing one is is right and the other is wrong because ultimately you want to start getting your questions answered Mm -hmm. and food allergy is a journey and Mm -hmm. rarely am I able to answer all the family's questions the first time I meet them? And it usually takes another follow-up. And that's actually why my, my consultations are two parts. And when people call to schedule, they're explained that, you know, Mm -hmm. because sometimes we have to do blood testing or whatever the case may be. I need to get more information um, or we need to plan a challenge or something like that. Right. Do your homework on who you're seeing also on even, even less fun stuff. Know about their, the, the costs involved for everything. So know what your insurance covers, know if they take your insurance, if they don't take your insurance, can you use your FSA, HSA, all of that stuff? Do they have payment plans? Like whatever the case may be, just try to limit the surprises. Mm-hmm. And you can do that by trying to do the ho- your homework on the practice. Right. You know, going into an appointment with anybody, but especially someone like an allergist who, I mean, really any relationship with your doctor should be long-term, but, but this one, I think sometimes seems a little more intimate to me. Mm-hmm. You want to make sure that you and the allergist are like-minded in terms of they're hearing you, they understand you, they are coming from a place of, for me anyway. Um, and I know you're like this, that, you know, you come from a place of sort of being a human, not just a physician. I think sometimes we can see doctors who just kind of make you feel like you're just another patient on the list. And I think when you research a doctor, you can often find that through their websites, through their social media presence, you can kind of get a feel of how they 
practice, what kind of practice they have. And oftentimes just kind of how they are, you know, as humans, I know like for us, and I know I'm biased, but you know, when I go to your social media page, it's, it's bright and it's happy. And if I didn't know you, I would think, oh, she seems like a fun doctor. Just from a parent's perspective on researching the practice that those things to me are important, that it doesn't mm-hmm. feel stuffy, that it doesn't feel. And then if you have any questions, call, you know, call mm-hmm. their front desk and, and ask the questions ahead of time. Cause you don't want to show up to a, per, a, a you know, doctor's appointment. And then they give you a handout of all of these things. And you say, wait, I didn't sign up for this, you know, so go into it knowing mm-hmm. all of that stuff. And, and, you know, when we went through this, I was referred by my dad who is a, who is a physician. And so I, I already knew what I was going into. And, and that was, that was great. So get opinions from other people, you know, Mm -hmm. from your pediatrician, from other families in your community who may have kids with food allergies to have that sort of second hand or firsthand information from other people and just kind of know, I I just, it's just so important. Mm -hmm. I think in today's age, you know, we just want to find, or in today's today's world, we just want to find someone who is understanding of us Mm -hmm. and doing that research for that emotional kind of connectivity is really good. But also, like you said, you don't want to walk into your appointment and be handed out a financial sheet and say, whoa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and a way you can find out if you're, if your allergist has like a super keen interest in food allergy is look on their website. You can also see what what academic organizations they're involved in, what research they've done, what sort of advocacy they've been involved with. You can go to websites like oitadvisors.org where that's where OIT allergists have their practices listed. And if they're doing OIT, then they're clearly interested in food allergy because OIT is one of the advanced therapies for food allergy. And absolutely ask Ask your friends. At this point, a lot of people know other people whose kiddos have food allergy. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you how many times different families have seen different doctors. And, you know, different different doctors gel with different patients. Yes, different dynamics. That's why we say do your homework on the practice. So those are our four steps to preparing for your first food allergy appointment. Number one, have a clear plan for reactions, at least until you get get to the allergist and can get more information and even clearer plan. Number two, document your reaction. Use that handout we have, the seven questions your allergist will likely ask you. Um, Number three, be prepared for those emotions. And those emotions are okay and very, very, very normal. Mm-hmm. And number four, do your homework on the practice. We hope that this helps you and that if you know anyone struggling with trying to figure out their next steps, that you share this with them. That's the episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. Of course, I'm an allergist, but I'm not your allergist. So talk with your allergist about what you learned on this episode and visit us at foodallergyandyourkiddo.com where you can submit your family's questions. God bless you and God bless your family. Mm